remember, his death was for all of mankind, not just the people that accept it, but for everyone. And again, he showed his love for us. And at that revelation of Christ, at that moment, when we hear the gospel, we get a new start. We get our new day when we can get up and start afresh. And that's good news for everyone that actually hears it. That you can, you know, have whatever you've done wrong, whatever's behind you can be behind you. You know, the penalty for forgiveness of our past, our present and our future sins has been paid in full. There's nothing more that needs to be done. It's all been done. Now that revelation of Christ at that, that moment when we hear the gospel, we do get that fresh start. And our right to a relationship with God has now been restored. Our right to a relationship with him. You know, you think about the Lord coming in the cool of the evening into the garden, saying, Adam, Eve, where are you? How many of you know he knew where they were? We were talking about it on, uh, on Friday at, uh, at our Good Friday service that the first response of man was to go and hide. He had shame. The first of response of man uh, after he fell was to go and hide. He had fear. And God's answer for mankind is to have faith and to no longer be shameful. And I shared it earlier on, you know, if, is, is, if, 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 your, if your experience is one of shame and fearfulness, God wants you to look at that and say, that's the first thing that needs to go because I now have a relationship with my Lord Jesus Christ and shame should not be a part of it. Amen. Our right to a relationship with God has now been restored and we should enter into that without the sense of guilt or sin, inferiority or shame. We should come boldly into his presence, the Bible tells us. In Ephesians 2 and verse 11 to 13, it says, But now in Christ, you who, were once, uh, who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. We've been brought near through that act of his upon the cross. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, we probably know it quite well. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we confess... Uh, with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts and you know it's a clarification it needs to be the action of both we need to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth not just confess with our mouth and not believe in our heart we need to have the two working together and when we do it says it says uh, it says if we confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus believe with our hearts that God raised you from the dead it says that we shall be saved that's exciting news we shall be saved and of course, I don't know about you, but I found that. I found that I got a new start. I even felt it on the inside. So glad about that testimony. There was actually a, a sense of God's newness and the refreshing and the cleanness that he brought at that time. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, if that had been on the brochure, I still wouldn't have probably, you know, believed that that could possibly happen. But I, but I did believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead. I did that. And that was all it took for the Lord to come in and do his work on the inside. It's good news, isn't it? Amen. The cross of Christ represents the penalty paid for sin. The very thing that separated mankind from a personal relationship with God. It's repentance and faith in God that makes it effective for us personally. And brings us through the door to a relationship with God. And Jesus is that door. Amen. Jesus is that door. God's design was that we should be a people of boldness and faith, 
knowing our authority, but sin and the fall in the garden separated us from that life of faith. Sin brought shame, guilt and inferiority as the first, you know, the first response to God. Is, is it, oh, we're not worthy. We're not good enough. But I tell you what, in Christ we are because of what he did for us. Amen. And in Christ we're restored to a lifestyle of faith and we should live it. We should live that life. I like it in uh, Romans 10 and verse 11 to 12. And we did bring this up on Friday. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Just think about that. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Are we believers this morning? Do we believe on him? Well, it says will not be put to shame. You know, you may not be perfect. And I, I, I you know, someone, someone said, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. Because it won't be perfect anymore. You know, that's, that's the truth, you know, that we, we can't talk about perfection, but we can talk about the perfecting work and influence of the Spirit of God in our life, where he's continuing to work with us and make us those mature sons and daughters. You know, and I'm a lot more mature than what I was a year ago, believe it or not. You know, and you think, hang on a minute, you mean you weren't mature when you first came here to pastor the church? No, I wasn't as mature as I am now. I was mature, but not as mature. You see, because God's work of maturing is going on in our lives. Each one of us, it doesn't matter how long you've been around. Amen. Perhaps there are those here today who need to call on him. Perhaps there are those here today who need to believe on him and recognize all the benefits. And, and we are going through the brochure this morning as to all the benefits. You know, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Just think about that. But within his former life, he persecuted the early church, condemning many Christians to death. This is the, you know, Saul before he became Paul. And, of course, we know in Acts chapter 9, we can read there, and it's a good, it's a good story to read about someone who was so far convinced that the, the church needed to be condemned, it needed to be broken down, it needed to be, you know, uh, uh, just taken off the face of the earth and he was busy about that job. And God knocked him on, off his horse on his way to Damascus and revealed himself to him. He's converted, he converted to faith in Jesus on the road to Damascus and of course the, the, the justice and love of God restores his relationship with God. Fantastic. And I heard that that um, meme some time ago now where uh, it says that the apostle Paul entered heaven to the applause of all those that he persecuted and killed amen he did you know his understanding of the complete and total forgiveness of God is so very clear in scripture he is unashamed in his walk and in his ministry in his own letters, he says, we have wronged no one. We go, hang on a minute, Paul. <laughs> you know, can't you remember your former life? And I'm sure he would have said, no. I'm a new man in Christ. And he did say it. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And maybe there's someone here today that needs to say the same thing. I'm a new man in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, he says, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, if Christ died for us, should we not now live for him? 
It's a challenge, a bit of a challenge. I'm not going to put too much of an edge on that for anyone, but I'm just going to put it out there to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Living for him then becomes what? It's a good question. I just, just you know, it's a rhetorical question, so uh, don't get up and shout out the answer. If we're to no longer live for ourselves, but for him that died for us and rose again, what does that look like? Well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked this morning because our best response to a risen Lord is that we would live the risen life, that we would live in that miraculous, supernatural realm where around us things are going off that we know are supernatural. We uh, pray and are excited about that and even in this church and we, we're around looking to share those moments with one another, those that pray, because we know it's because we pray. It's because we know that we're engaged with the living God who does come and dwell in the midst of his people and demonstrate his life uh, to us. Hearts connected. Our best response to the risen Lord is that we live the risen life. And it's hearts connected to our Heavenly Father by fellowship and that, that oneness in the Holy Spirit. You know, the Colossians church needed the same question answered. And I like this. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keeping, keep seeking those things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I don't know about anyone else, but when we pray, we always have this focus that, you know, we're just coming right boldly into the very throne room of God's uh, uh, a throne room very boldly into that place where Jesus is seated ever living to, to intercede for us and we're allowed to come boldly the Bible says we might find grace and help in time of trouble that's our picture because that's the reality you may not see it you might not be able to see past lunchtime that's okay but when you start to live the risen life you start to see that our heavenly father has has uh, jesus at his right hand side and they ever live to make intercession for us in other words they're on our side they're fighting for us we've sung the song this morning look what it says set your mind on the things above not on the things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with christ in god that's the connection that's the connection we need to have and the picture we need to have and here are three things that help us to live the risen life as new creatures in Christ Jesus. I just want to quickly give them to you. Number one, keep seeking those things that are above. It's that heavenward focus, isn't it? Keep seeking. You know, sometimes there's a little bit of ambiguity. We're not quite sure what the Lord wants, but don't give up. Stay with it. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord to show you how to pray. And we believe that the, you know, some of the best ways to pray is to get to that point where you know how they're praying. Up there in the throne room of grace. Connect with that prayer. Get it, get it, you know, because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He can make it known how to pray heaven's prayers in your own life. That's Moorish. You should go after that church. When Jesus rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven. And he now ever lives to make intercession for us. We've been called to a life of prayer. And that's communion with him. You know, in sync with the spirit of God. 
Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Sorry, was I out of sync there, was I? Okay, there we go. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, you know, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What's the joy? It's us. It's us. It's the church. That was the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross, despising the shame. The shame that we had. Think about that. What shame was he despising? It was the shame that we had. He despised it. And wanted to do something about it. Went to the cross to deal with it. Looking unto Jesus. It's not just a repetitious life of prayerful devotion and reverence. Nothing wrong with that. Looking unto Jesus is that ongoing attitude of inquiry, waiting on him. Keep seeking the things that are above. Don't, don't, get, don't get slack on that. Don't find a comfort zone that gets you going off doing something else. Watch out for your comfort zones. It could be anything. It might be your phone. That little comfort zone, that little hit that you get. And they're now talking about what phones do to you. You know, there's that little endorphin rush as you find something new or something that's encouraging to you. All right? And then looking under Jesus, it's just, um, you know, that ongoing attitude of inquiry and looking to his heart and, and finding his heart and praying uh, that same heart. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. You know, in our prayer, do we have an expectation to hear from him? Is it just about laying your, 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 your petitions and, and your requests before him? Or do you have an anticipation of him speaking to you, leading you, guiding you by his spirit? I know which one I'm after. Amen. If we don't, we should make an adjustment. And he's the author of our faith. He creates faith in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When prayer becomes two-way, you want more of it. The best thing I can say, I hope that attracts you to more prayer, is that when prayer becomes a two-way thing, you want more. Amen. Set your mind. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. It's a call to godly priorities. Did Jesus leave us with priorities? I think he did. In the lead up to his crucifixion in John 13, Pastor Jess touched in on it this morning, I'm so glad. In the lead up to his cru crucifixion in John uh, 13, he tells his disciples, where I'm going, you cannot come. And then, of course, he gives a new commandment. John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you also must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Loving one another as Christ loved us. And of course, we've just recently done a series on love, so you can go back and check the notes. But it's the behaviour of those that want to see people impacted positively for the kingdom of God. You know, if we want to, it even said, by this, all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Amen. If you live the new life, people cannot help but see Jesus through you and through us. 
Paul sums it up beautifully for those that have come to understand that we are to pursue the Father's heart in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 18 through to verse 21. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's how, we, that's how people are to be reconciled. Who was it that reached you with the gospel? Usually, it's a friend, a work colleague, a relative. If anyone's got another category than that, I'm not sure. But it's usually not someone's witnessing in the street. Usually not. It's usually someone that we have trust with. And they come along and they speak to us in a way that gets our attention, number one, because they're talking about how God's changed their life and that's what it was for me. Guy who had a, a, a drug addiction, who had been healed of his drug addiction and was coming to me after two weeks, which I knew was impossible for him to be healed of his drug addiction, and yet he was, talking about other people that had the same thing happen to them. And then you know what? It got my attention. I thought, hang on. What are you talking about? He says, I'm talking about the God of the Bible. I know a few things about that myself, and, but none of it was with, with experience of the God of the Bible. See, those of us that have had his touch in our lives and, and, know, and had healing experiences and, and you know, had something of God's spirit working in our lives, you know, we've got something that we've, we can share with others. And you know, we need to look we need to look at the way in which you know, uh, we can bring someone to church so very often just by saying, hey, can I, can, can I invite you to church this Sunday? Can I invite you to come along? There's, there's so many ways. I had an experience with God. Let me tell you about how I had an experience with God. Let me, let me tell you my testimony. It's so easy. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. I love it when people get enthusiastic for, for church and for ministry and they say, I'm just not sure what my ministry is. I like to tell them straight away, look, I can tell you what your ministry is. It's the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to it. Whether you have a badge or not, we're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. Look what it says in, in verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though we, uh, God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to be made to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a great verse. What a great scripture. You know, it talks about that, that substitutionary sacrifice. He took our place. And of course, did it that we might become the righteousness of God that we might become uh, you know uh, who Christ is to him we might become that as well sons and daughters of the living God amen and as we take communion today and we are going to close with communion let's recognize together that living for him involves focusing on him working with him and not for him I'll say that again Working with him and not for him. So often we can go off trying to work for God and miss him by a country mile. We need to learn how to work with him. Amen. You know, that takes fellowship with him. It takes prayer. It takes 
two-way prayer it takes having a heart for the things of God and the things that are important to him working with him not for him forgiving others that's our love walk I tell you what there's nothing more that will cause you to stumble and trip up than actually not having a good love walk with your brothers and sisters we need to get that part right I won't labour the point father's heart you know that you know his heartbeat is for souls people coming to him through Jesus Christ and I want us all to be mindful of these points today you know that God's uh, you know he loves the church but he loves the people that are outside the church as well you know he wants them in here to hear these truths to connect with him to learn how to walk with him he wants them in here to find out how to live the life amen and church he's given us a job so we should at least look busy. Amen. When he comes, we want to at least look busy, don't we? You know that we've been reaching out, praying for someone, found someone who doesn't know the Lord and, you know, we're talking to them and looking to have that, you know, friendship and influence with them. That's what we should be doing. Amen.